Please be seated. I think our brother, the Apostle Thomas, has received a bad rap. And I'm not going to try to exonerate him today because certainly the Lord gives him, uh, I think, what amounts to a mild rebuke. But I would suggest to you this morning that we're actually called to be more like Thomas, to imitate him than to shun him or label him as, what do we know Thomas as? Doubting Thomas, right. I think that's not in the scripture. That's a heading in, in some versions. But I want you to see Thomas uh, more as faithful Thomas this morning, as a real human being who brought his doubts and concerns and hurt to the Lord, but who confessed when he encountered the risen Christ, my Lord and my God. May we have the same response in our lives. In our passage this morning, I think we can better uh, see Jesus, if you will, with the eyes of our heart, with faith, because Jesus, as we know, bodily raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, no longer visible to us with our poor eyesight on this side of heaven, but yet present to us by his powerful spirit. He reigns right now in a human body, the second person of the Trinity, at the Father's right hand, and is pouring out his grace right now among us. So how do we see him? We need to see him with the eyes of our heart. That's my prayer for us this morning. How can we better see Jesus in our lives and by seeing him believe and follow him? I think we can see him in three ways. We can see Jesus, three verbs, standing in these texts, Jesus standing, Jesus condescending, and Jesus offering. But first, Jesus standing. I should have asked you this, but if you still have your Bible, turn to chapter 20, verse 19. If you don't, I'll read for you, but it might be fun to follow along, I hope. Verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews or Judeans, Jesus came and stood. He stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. In the midst of their fear and their disappointment, they're literally shutting out of the world around them. If you've ever been in that kind of place where you just want to escape and try to shut everything out, maybe a place of giving up. Jesus, in his resurrected glory on the first day of the week, Sunday, comes and stands right in the middle of them. It says he came and stand in the midst. Of them. Again, bodily, he had a human body and yet was also part of this transposed, transfigured world of the new heavens. He was not beholden to the laws of physics like doors because they were locked, but Jesus comes and stands in the midst of them. The paragraph before the resurrection passage with Mary Magdalene, John chapter 20. Verse 14 says of Mary Magdalene, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus, what? 
standing. She was weeping because of her grief over the body of Jesus. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? So Jesus shows up right in the middle of her weeping, standing right there in the garden. Now we've seen Jesus, if you've been with us, if you've traveled this road from uh, his narrative, birth narrative, the Christmas, obviously Advent and Epiphany and all the way through Lent, if you've joined us these past couple weeks in Holy Week, we've had a beautiful week of services, the most ever uh, attendance we've had, at least uh, in the past number of years. And you've seen Jesus accomplishing our salvation. How did he do it? We've seen Jesus kneeling, okay? We've seen Jesus kneeling in anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane the night of his uh, handing over to the authorities. We've seen Jesus kneeling as he prays to the Father. Is there any other way to accomplish this redemption? He comes to a firm resolution, not my will but yours be done. So we've seen Jesus kneeling. We've seen Jesus on Good Friday bearing, bearing the weight of the cross and the weight of all humanity's sin to redeem us completely. We've seen him bearing the weight of that cross. We've see, seen Jesus hanging on the tree, said in John that the Son of Man, Jesus said, the Son of Man must be lifted up in order to draw off all people to himself. So we've seen Jesus kneeling. We've seen him bearing the cross. We've seen him hanging on the tree to draw all men to himself. God in the flesh. Atoning for our sin that we might be with God. The God-man interceding between the creator and his creation. And finally, on Easter Sunday, one week ago today, we see Jesus standing. I want us to picture him standing here among the grave sites, standing in the disciples' fear, standing right in the middle, victoriously over the grave, having defeated sin and death, never to die again, standing as a sign of his victory and power. We heard it this morning. John, John's revelation, Revelation chapter 1. Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Imagine Jesus just kind of jingling the keys, right? Standing in victory. So I invite you this morning. Can you see Jesus standing in the middle of our own fearful and broken places, maybe especially in those fearful and broken places. Jesus is standing, and he calls us to stand in his victory, to receive his resurrection life and power. It means believing, it means trusting, having faith that he's living and active, that he's standing in and over every area of our lives, relationships that are broken or that you wish you had. Believing that Jesus can restore that which is broken. Prophet Joel says um, through the spirit that God will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Right? Has there been 
disaster, a plague, a brokenness in your life, Jesus can restore that because he's standing. What about dreams that aren't realized or maybe even shattered? Can you believe that God is standing in the midst of those, that he's working out his perfect will in your life, which is our sanctification, that God has dreams for you too, and he is working those out. And as we take our dreams to him, that God will work out his perfect will. So we need to see Jesus standing. Secondly, after we see Jesus standing, I invite you to see Jesus condescending. Now normally this is a negative word, right? We use it in, in negative words or we say, hey, don't, don't speak condescendingly to me. Maybe kids, you say that to your parents or to your pastor. Don't speak condescendingly to me, you know it all, right? But in this case, Perhaps is appropriate, and I want you to see that word condescension in, in its true uh, roots and, and context. Think of the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present one graciously engaging with his creation, taking our weakness and infirmity upon himself, not only sympathizing, not only saying, okay, I, I get that you're weak and frail, but actually taking our frailty upon himself. Jesus condescending to us in the incarnation and here in the resurrection, coming to us in our places of need, coming to us with our, in all of our doubts and questions. Jesus does not speak down to us. He doesn't speak down to Thomas. But I think he, I want you to see him saying to us and to Thomas, oh, you of little faith, if you would only see and believe. Now, let's see how Jesus does this. He turns his attention to Thomas. Let's turn our attention there to verse 25 of chapter 20. See Thomas's demands or objections. You ever made demands to God? I think God has a sense of humor sometimes when we do that. And I think Jesus shows that here. Verse 25. Thomas said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, Jesus, verse 27, see my hands. Thomas, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails, we're going to make an imprint, that word, to touch and imprint. Jesus says, put your finger here, see my hands. Thomas, unless I place my hand into his side. Jesus, verse 27, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. What is Jesus demonstrating to us here? One, of course, that he knows us inside and out. All right? We can't hide anything from him. The disciples didn't sneak off and go tell Jesus, hey, Thomas was, was worried about this. Can you, can you show him? No, Jesus knew. And there's other examples of the scriptures where the all-knowing, the omniscient one, knows us, knows our questions before the word is even on our tongue. He knows what we need. And yet he invites us to ask it. He doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't um, shut down the question. I imagine Jesus uh, just standing there uh, kind of saying to Thomas, what you got? Bring it. I'm an open book. I've got nothing to hide. 
And if you've grown up in a religious context that didn't talk about hard issues or just said, just don't worry about it, you know, stop uh, complaining or having doubts, just believe. That's not the Lord and God we serve. He shows his hands, the nails, the nail marks and the spear in his side, and, and he shows us who he is. And so I think he invites us to bring all our questions and doubts to him and, and engage with him that he might show us who he truly is. And I think Jesus shows us in this encounter that he's patient with us and with Thomas. Throughout this account, Christ shows his patience with Thomas' lack of faith and with ours, with our lack of faith. Jesus is patient as he condescends to us. And if you think about finally, in this point of Jesus condescending to us, even though it was only a week, right? At least in our reckoning, how long that must have seemed to Thomas. Sunday, he hears about it from the disciples. You'd think the next night, Jesus is going to show up too, right? So maybe they're even in the same place. We don't, we don't hear about it. Uh, but Monday night passes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Thomas, at this point, I think, is begging the Lord for an answer. And finally, Jesus shows up in his time and in his way. And I think we need to see Jesus not only standing but condescending to us in that he's showing us that this is my perfect time. I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you an answer to your question when is best, when it's best for you. Finally, how can we see Jesus and in and, and seeing him believe and follow him? We see him standing in the midst of our troubles and, and suffering. We see him condescending to us and engaging our questions. And then in offering to us, Jesus makes an offer, maybe even a challenge. She says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Verse 29. Blessed, happy, content, full of life. And John later says in verse 31, but these things are written so that you may believe and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. So Jesus here in his offering doesn't just say, hey, are you going to have the right answer to the Sunday school question? Are you going to say the right things? He says, are you going to receive this life that I'm offering? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That word belief, again, is not just an intellectual uh, step that we make. It's a life of faith. The word pistis means to be faithful. So you could hear Jesus saying, do not be unfaithful, do not be disbelieve, disbelieving, but be faithful, but believe. And so I think Jesus would be asking us the same question. See me standing in the midst of your difficulty. Know that I'm there. See me condescending and coming to you in your questions and doubts. But then do not remain unfaithful. He calls us to a, a response. Be faithful. Be full of faith. So I want to ask you this morning, if Jesus promises true life in believing, this is what he offers us, as we believe not, not just a, a, a ticket to heaven, fire insurance for, for hell, but actually life, real life and blessing, blessed 
are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If Jesus promises belief and life, are you experiencing that life this morning? And all of us need to take an inventory and say, where is death at work in my life? Maybe it's in my finances. Maybe it's in uh, the way I treat my body. Maybe it's in the way I treat my parents or my kids. Maybe it's in the way that I think about uh, myself, who God has made me to be. I wish I was someone else, right? Have you ever thought that? Perhaps Jesus this morning is offering you life by saying, believe in me, trust in me, follow me. And when we do that, we experience life in, in every area of our lives, not perfectly on this side of, of heaven, but as we come to him and surrender, we see our lives receiving blessing, okay? Doesn't mean prosperity or uh, Instagram followers or notoriety, you know, popularity, but it means blessing, true happiness and contentment. And I think Thomas experienced this. Interestingly, Thomas could have just said, okay, I see the nails in your hands. I see the, the mark of the spear on your side. You're obviously alive. You're eating fish. You're, you're doing this weird thing coming through the doors. So, yes, I, I grant you, you've risen from the dead. But he doesn't say that. How does Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. He didn't just feel the nails in his hands. And you might say, I wish I could do that. But, but Thomas had something more than that. He had an encounter with the living Christ, and we can have that same encounter by his spirit. Christ, God the Spirit, is just as much God as God the Son and God the Father, right? It's one God. So when we encounter God by his living presence, by his spirit, he calls us to respond in faith. My Lord and my God means worship and lordship. It means adoration and surrender. And that's the type of relationship that God calls us to this morning. So in conclusion, I want us to think about those areas in our life where we have not fully given over ourselves and our lives to Jesus' lordship, to his authority, to his grace and goodness. I want us to think about those relationships, those places that are hard to trust God in, that anxiety. If we come and bring that to God and say, I trust you, you are my Lord and my God. We will experience his blessing in the midst of our difficulty. Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.